fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right, coming up this morning, we're going to talk about the suspect in the fatal shooting of a California cop is in the country illegally, adding to the rhetoric about illegal immigration and the need for a wall. All of that coming up this morning. We also talk about the incoming freshman class of liberal Democrats that say they did not come there to play. All of that coming up this morning. My name is Mike Brumet. Happy Friday. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. If you've ever experienced heart racing, shortness of breath, or dizziness, it's possible you could have atrial fibrillation, one of the leading causes of stroke. Find out before it's too late with CardioMobile, the FDA-cleared personal EKG device that's just $99. To order, visit Cardia.com. That's K-A-R-D-I-A dot com. CardioMobile fits in your pocket, so you can take an EKG anytime, anywhere, right when you feel a symptom. CardioMobile delivers a medical-grade EKG right to your smartphone. In just 30 seconds, you'll know if your heart rhythm is normal or if atrial fibrillation is detected. To order CardioMobile today for just $99, visit Cardia.com. That's K-A-R-D-I-A dot com. Take unlimited EKGs morning, noon, or night, so you can always know how your heart is doing. CardioMobile puts peace of mind in your pocket for only $99. Order yours today. Visit Cardia.com. That's K-A-R-D-I-A dot com. Hey, happy Friday. Happy New Year from the Glenn Beck Program. My name is Mike Brumet. And again for Glenn today and Monday, we hope you're having a great weekend planned as we roll into this Friday edition of the show. Horrible story out of California. A police officer killed in the line of duty. And it now is found out that the suspect in this is an illegal immigrant, someone in the country illegally. And it's adding to the rhetoric for the need for border protection, the need to stop illegal immigration. It's anecdotal evidence and it adds fuel to the fire. I have been an, a, an immigration advocate for my entire life. I see the, the benefits of legal immigration. The problem here is the one we always face. And this is what I don't understand Nothing about the conversation about illegal immigration makes any sense to me whatsoever. First, let's talk about the senseless death of police officers. This is there's an increase in death in law enforcement on duty deaths for law enforcement this year, year over year. It's interesting to hear the attitude toward police officers, how it's shifted in the last, I don't know, eight years or so during the Obama administration, 10 years plus. Uh, There seems to be a more vocal minority of people that have zero respect for what law enforcement does. I will be honest with you. I've, I've mentioned many, many, many times about my family in law enforcement, but I'm blessed to have a lot of people in law enforcement as close friends. It is a close knit community that doesn't let outsiders in very often. And I've been blessed to be friends with many members of our highway patrol or DPS um, local law enforcement in the state of Arizona, where I live now and have family members. It's a dangerous job, and these are just people like all of us. They draw police officers from the same flawed pool of humanity that every other career field is. It is a noble profession. As a vocation, I think it is a noble profession. We talk about men and women who serve our country in the military and the the sacrifice, and the same thing is here. You're talking about people that will run into a horrible situation as everybody else is running out, 
and it is a very dangerous profession. Uh, you know, how many professions are there that you put on weapons and a bulletproof vest to go to work every day? And the families that share those officers with us, the husbands and wives and 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 family members that uh, realize that this could be literally could be the last kiss goodbye as they go to work each day. I don't want to get to a political argument by jumping off of and making light of or not making a comment about the death of a law enforcement officer just doing their job and the devastation that they leave behind. Have seen far too much of this in the last, you know, in the last few years, a complete disregard for human life. But it isn't just we shouldn't just pay attention to this when officers are injured or killed in the line of duty. They deal with a traumatic career. They are dealing with uh, children that have been injured by parents, neglected children. Sometimes they feel helpless because, you know, they're bound uh, and and can only do so much. And they're dealing many times with the dregs of society. I have a friend who just retired from law enforcement and she spent years working in a local agency with the Internet Predators Bureau where she was posing as children online to catch Internet predators. I can't think of a more depressing job, a more a job that scares you more where seemingly normal adults with normal lives are trolling the Internet, preying upon what they believe are young children, boys and girls, and how it must devastate you and have you leave you with no trust for anybody in humanity. So before we get to the political argument of this, what are we doing? Um, Why don't we just take a moment and think about the job that people in law enforcement do? If you're driving anywhere now, um, as many of you are when you listen to talk radio, I want you to imagine when you get to the next traffic light, how stressful it would be for you. If the person in front of you had, I don't know, something hanging off the bottom of their car, they closed their, uh, some woman closed her skirt in the door, whatever the reason would be that you would have to get out of your car and approach the car in front of you to say something to that person in front of you. How stressful it would be that you're worried they're going to, you're going to scare the heck out of them or they're going to whatever. And to knock on their window, even with like, Hey, wait a minute, you did this or this happened. It's stressful. And officers do this every single day. There is no such thing as a routine traffic stop. And so I will tell you that, you know, and I've been pulled over more times than I want to admit to when I get pulled over. I now I have a vehicle that's got four doors on it and um, the windows are tinted, not black, but tinted. So if I'm at a traffic stop, I put down all the windows. I put my hands on the door jam where a cop can see them. Um, I'm always armed. I tell an officer where the gun is in my vehicle. I don't grab for anything until the officer tells me to. I want them to feel safe when an officer approaches your vehicle. They are on edge. They have no idea what they're walking up to. One person, multiple people, angry person, civil person. They have no clue what they're walking up on. So I want them to feel as safe as possible because it's a stressful job. But when you think of the segment of humanity that would murder a police officer, they have a disregard for every human life. There is no boundaries for people like that. Absolutely no boundaries for someone that takes the life of a law enforcement officer. That's why it's such a a horrible crime against humanity. And for this person to be in the country illegally just adds fuel to this fire about illegal immigration. And it should. It absolutely should. You see, when we get on an airplane, and I'm going to be doing that in a few days to fly back home, uh, they don't know which people are good or which people will be bad, so everybody gets screened. 
you know, we've we've learned that because of 9-11, we put up with things that are inconvenient for the sake of everybody's safety. Screening your bag. Sometimes your bag is pulled out to be searched and and, you know, take your shoes off and, you know, put your laptop in a separate bin and walk through the body scanner. All of those things, because we just aren't sure. We know that 99 percent of humanity is good, but all it takes is that few people that are willing to trade their lives and they could take down an entire airplane. So they do everything they can to prevent that from happening. But then for whatever reason, this argument has gotten so out of hand that the same argument doesn't apply when it comes to this. First of all, it's called illegal immigration for a reason. People are crossing our borders illegally at the very basis of all of this. It is a slap in the face to legal immigrants, the people that have done it and are doing it the right way. I mean, that's just a very foundational part of it. It's a slap in the face. And you will see news publications that are sympathizers that will put out um, stories. There's a story out, uh, the the, the eight-year-old that died in the custody of the U.S., that now we know the father refused medical treatment. And the question was asked by me and others have asked, why would you do that? Why would you bring an eight-year-old? Why would you bring small children on this dangerous journey to the border and, and try to sneak in this way? They talk about desperate situations. And you'll see the stories of desperation. This family, by the way, said, and I'm kind of jumping off topic, but just for a moment, this family said they brought this child because they knew they were told it would be easier to cross with a child. That's not parenting. That's not parenting. So we hear about these people and their plight, and you can come up with any kind of uh, of um, analogy you want to. Um, you know, you're going to go to you're at you are at a an amusement park. You're at Disney uh, during you know the height of the season when lines are two hours long. You're standing there. It said you're awake from this spot is approximately an hour and 45 minutes. And you wait in that line to get on an amusement park ride. And then a family of four people jumps to the front of the line and people justifiably say, what are you doing? And somebody that works for the park comes up and says, well, you know what? It's always been their lifelong dream to come to Disney World. So we're going to let them jump to the front of the line. Nobody would allow that to happen. We understand it's everybody's lifelong dream to go to Disney sometimes. It's a once in a lifetime and they want to experience everything. So they're going to jump in front of everybody else and everybody else says no. Get in line like everybody else. Welcome to Disney, but get in line. Silly analogy? Absolutely. But you wouldn't let somebody jump a line you've been waiting in for an hour and a half. And when it comes to illegal immigration, we have politicians that are now saying that because these people are in a desperate situation, they can circumvent the law and jump the line instead of doing their jobs and fixing the law. Fixing the process. Now we've got an officer killed by an illegal alien. Yes, it matters. It absolutely matters. It certainly matters to that family. It adds insult to injury, put salt in the wounds, pick a cliche. How many times have we heard about criminals being caught with multiple deportations? People that have been convicted just recently at the border. Someone who had been convicted here in the U.S. as an illegal immigrant of child molestation, gone to prison, deported back to their country, back across the border, caught on our side of the border again. Not everyone that's crossing the border is a criminal looking to do harm. Some of them are coming for noble reasons, but all of them are doing it the wrong way. 
the president's getting the blame for all of this. That's politics. I understand the politics of blaming the president. But the fact of the matter is there's one group of people that's at fault. The Congress. Both parties. Both parties. Someone should be talking to Chuck Schumer, the border hawk of years past. One of the surprises in all of this to people has been that the Hispanic voters are still being loyal to Trump, which I don't see as, a, as, as, as odd because it has nothing to do with race. Illegal is illegal. Legal immigrants don't like illegal immigration either, but it's led to a shutdown. Well, now we're starting to see some of the effects of the shutdown, and it's going to start affecting a lot of the, the, the working poor in America. What shift will this make? In a moment, we'll talk about the effects that are coming because of the shutdown, what's being said by the media. All of that coming up here in just a moment. My name's Mike Broomhead. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. For you, U.S. veteran, American Financing wants to say a huge thank you for your service. And if you haven't taken advantage of your VA benefits, then now is the time to call American Financing so they can customize your VA loan program for your new home purchase or just a refinance. You can refinance any existing mortgage into a VA loan. And now is the time to do it because the interest rates are at all-time lows. You might be able to take out cash to pay off some of your existing debt and save hundreds of dollars every single month. Here are some of the key benefits benefits of the VA home loan. Zero down payment, no mortgage insurance, and relaxed credit requirements. American Financing has salary-based mortgage consultants, no upfront fees, and the pre-qualification takes only 10 minutes. Don't wait. Call 800-906-2440. That's 800-906-2440. Or online at AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing. America's home for home loans. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Hey, Happy New Year. Thanks again for joining me for part of the morning. I'm Mike Broomhead in for Glenn Beck. The shutdown is going to cut the office overseeing federal food stamps programs by 95%. So coming soon, they're saying that whether it's WIC or SNAP or any of the food assistance programs through the federal government are only going to be as long as resources hold out, which means soon those resources may diminish and funds won't be available for families that qualify for food assistance. I think this will be a game changer because it will be then when those groups of people are beginning to suffer that we will start seeing some pushback on all of this. Who ultimately will be blamed for this and how will it happen? And, you know, we can continue to blame the media. We can and, and pout and whine. There's ways to overcome a lot of things. And, you know, this president was able to win an election that was almost an impossibility that he could. Um, so there's ways to message things differently. When it comes to the illegal immigration thing, they're finally doing some of the things that we had hoped so, hoped they would do. There was a tweet by Barack Obama a long time ago that said we need to seriously address illegal immigration, which was retweeted by the president with three words. I totally agree. And that's it. Start pointing out the hypocrisy of the argument. In the end, the issue of illegal immigration, most people 
are on the side of saying we need border security. It's not about being inhumane. It certainly isn't about being heartless. It's about being just. It's about doing the right thing. If the system is broken, let's fix the system. No doubt about that. If the system is broken, let's fix it. The president's plan has not been solely building a barrier. The president's plan has included revamping our immigration system. For whatever reason, the pushback is coming from the left, and we can argue about why that might be. There has got to be a resolution to this. And part of the resolution, well, I should say the resolution begins with border security. We haven't taken it seriously since the 80s. We've talked about it many times. Reagan was promised border security in exchange for amnesty. He gave amnesty. There was no border security. There still isn't. I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it in my state. I've seen it in the state of Texas. The evidence is very clear. The amount of drugs that are coming across the border, how easy it is. If families are able to get here, I mean, let's be honest. If 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 uh, men, women, and children are able to make the journey and get across the border, how hard can it be to cross the border? When you're talking about young children being brought across on the journey, it can't be as difficult as people are trying to make it out to be when it's politically expedient for them to say there's not really an issue. There is a huge issue. We should be having a very honest and vocal debate about this. So now when we're going to see families that are considered to be the working poor in America that qualify for food assistance program being told that the money is about to run out and they'll have to look elsewhere – you are going to start to see some movement by people. One of the things we're going to do coming up, nine thirty, just after the bottom of the hour, we will um, talk about the incoming freshmen, the progressive caucus in the, the House of Representatives. These are people that are no joke. We, I am not going to complain about their motivation. I will be honest with you, how many of us wished that the Republicans in the House of Representatives would be one joined at the hip group, loud, vocal, and saying, we've been elected to come here to do a job. This is no joke. We didn't come here to play because that's what these group, this group of freshmen, incoming freshmen are saying, led by, as far as of visuals are concerned, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. They are going to hit the ground running. They didn't come there to step and fetch. They didn't come there to sit down and wait their turn. They didn't go there to be told, you vote the way we tell you to vote. Sit there until you learn how this game is played. So it's not going to get easier for the president's agenda moving forward. And here's the trade in all of this. And this is the part where I've, I've, if you've been listening, I apologize for being so repetitive. The media is not doing their job in telling you how things should be or how things really are. Because if they were, we would be talking about what should be happening from both perspectives. How is it that the Democrats can be such hypocrites on illegal immigration, spending all the years that they have being border hawks and demonizing illegal immigration? If if President Trump were to rip and read The words of Bill Clinton in the State of the Union address, Senator Obama denouncing, and this was before he was president, Senator Obama denouncing illegal immigration and how it's a slap in the face to legal immigrants. And Chuck Schumer saying we shouldn't even call them undocumented. They don't even designate now. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's gone from illegal immigrant 
to undocumented migrant to just migrants. They're no longer called illegal on any level. They are lumped in with every other immigrant altogether. You're either doing it the right way or you're the wrong way, but you're all migrants. Most Americans understand the need for this. It just needs to be articulated and fought for. This shutdown now is going to cost people that need it with food assistance. Now, it's my personal belief that the federal government shouldn't be issuing food assistance program. It should be held at the local level. And I also think that the private sector is much better better at charity than the than any government entity is. I think that when you work in the private sector and, and at home in, in Arizona, I work closely with St. Vincent de Paul, and I know there are a lot of great worthwhile organizations across the country, but the, the, the Arizona um, St. Vincent de Paul is the most comprehensive, well-thought-out, well-practicing, money-managing charitable organization I've ever been associated with. They squeeze every penny out of every dollar. They are in every facet of need for people, and not just homeless people, but the working poor in America. That's the way we should do things from my perspective. But you want to start seeing changes. You want to start seeing demands. It's going to begin with something like this where you have people that are struggling that are not going to get their food assistance, then you'll start seeing some pressure politically. Just after the bottom of the hour, the freshman class, the progressive caucus, who some of the people are, what their agenda is, and why it's going to be much more difficult for anyone to get anything done because of the power trade-off that's happening in Washington. It really is what the core of why we're not getting anything done on illegal immigration. So all of that coming up here in just a few moments. Once again, my name is Mike Broomhead. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I'll be back. You're listening to Glenn Beck. I really love my office chair. It's not a no-name superstore piece of junk. I'm talking about the new X-Chair office chair. It's modern. It's stylish. It's really luxurious. It is the most comfortable chair that you can sit in. It's an X-Chair. You'll have more energy. You'll concentrate better. You'll be more productive. Sitting in it is believing. And now X-Chair is introducing a new model available for a limited time only to my listeners. It's the X-Basic. It's got the great comfort, support, style that you expect from an X-Chair at a great price that makes it really affordable for just about anybody. All X-Chairs are on sale now for a hundred dollars off go to xchairbeck.com that's the letter xchairbeck.com or call 844-4x-chair check out the new x basic no questions asked guaranteed complete satisfaction for 30 days use the promo code beck 844-4x-chair or xchairbeck.com all of your favorite voices are now under one roof it's the blaze tv.com steven crowder eric bowling mark levin me ali stuckey all of them blaze tv Hey, Happy New Year from the Glenn Beck Program. My name is Mike Broomhead. And today and Monday for Glenn, we appreciate you spending part of your day with us. Social media users at Broomhead Show on Twitter. If you'd like to follow me there, at Broomhead Show, not Mike Broomhead, because that's a guy in Europe, very angry he's getting my tweets. And uh, Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram and the Mike Broomhead Show fan page on Facebook. You want to learn more uh, about the show, about what I do in Phoenix full time. I do morning drive in Phoenix, Arizona. Always happy to be in for Glenn. Um, 
Difference, of course, in narrative, difference in coverage, of course. But listen to this. They're young. They're female. They're clear eyed about upsetting the apple cart in Washington. This is the incoming group of freshmen in the House of Representatives when the Democrats take over. You want to know why there's been no deal cut on the wall? Do you want to know why there's been no movement whatsoever? This is why. The large number of very left-leaning progressives, as they call themselves, coming into the House. Nancy Pelosi had to cut a deal with them to get the votes that she needed to be Speaker of the House. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and a bunch of the other freshmen said it's time for some new, fresh, younger blood. Nancy Pelosi wanting the job back just like she did with Obamacare, making backroom deals, arm twisting, whatever you want to call it, to make sure that what she wanted, she got. So is that political acumen? Absolutely. That's the way things get done. So as much as we would say it angers us to see this, it angers me more that we don't see this kind of um, enthusiasm, this kind of willingness to get things done when we see Republicans in charge. But this new group of incoming freshmen are going to be far more liberal. These are not just the kind of we don't want a wall crowd. These are the abolish ICE people. These are the ones that want to get rid of immigration and customs enforcement. This is the group of people that compares ICE to Nazis or to the Klan. Kamala Harris. If you remember that line of questioning to the incoming um, head of ICE, making do you re, you know trying to get this the, the incoming head of ICE to admit that there's people out there that compare the Klan to ICE, and this is the people that are coming in now. They don't have full power, but they are going to be the largest demographic of Democrat voters, which is the Progressive Caucus. On the other side, on the on the House Republicans, there's the Freedom Caucus. Now, the Freedom Caucus does phenomenal work. They are conservative, especially very fiscally conservatives. They stick together. They've grown in numbers. They've built coalitions. They've done what they're supposed to do. Have you ever heard anybody say anything nice in the traditional media? Maybe you've never even heard of the Freedom Caucus. But they certainly aren't writing, they're young, they're clear-eyed about upsetting the apple cart in Washington. This was a group that was helpful in the ouster of John Boehner. And they believe that when the Republicans say they're small government, cut the budget, cut spending, they should stick to those principles. I know some members of the founding members and members of the Freedom Caucus very well. These are good people that like that are small government, stick to the conservative principles of the Republican Party, Republicans. So you don't see the kind of coverage. I mean, this now is young, fresh, energetic, again, like we saw in the Obama administration. When you had a president that said, I don't need Congress, I have a cell phone and a pen, they didn't call him a, a dictator. They didn't call him a tyrant. They didn't say that guy wanted to be king. They said, here is a president that wants to get things done. And when we see the dysfunction in Congress, this is a president that's going to do what he has to to get something done. If Trump came out now and said, I've got a cell phone and a pen, just like Obama did, and we're going to get this done with or without the Congress, they would call him a dictator. They would say he's circumventing the the uh, what the Congress is supposed to be about and the separation of powers and 
So we can complain all we want about the coverage. But the fact is this group of incoming freshmen realize that even in a a body as big as the House of Representatives, there's strength in numbers when you are one group. And they have already formed voices. They're being covered very positively. Good for them. You know, we can weed through that. We can see what they're up to. But what they are going to do is make demands. And they're going to make demands by the power of their vote. And they're going to stick together. And they're going to do that at no matter what happens. Nancy Pelosi wants desperately to be the Speaker of the House again. And in order to be the Speaker of the House again, she needed the votes of those incoming freshmen. Well, this is the abolish ICE crowd. You want to know why there's no movement? It's because Nancy Pelosi needs the job. And she needs their votes to get the job. So they are wielding the power that they have of their vote. So it's not about what's best for America. Nancy Pelosi, and there's a to me, there is always a silver lining. I truly am a glass half full type of person. The, the, The brilliance of what we're going to see over the next couple of years is we are going to hear a lot more from Nancy Pelosi. And it's great fun. You know, how how hard did we laugh? It was sad. The whole thing was sad but there was laughter when nancy pelosi smiled and told the entire house of representatives while looking at that huge pile that was obamacare you have to vote for it to find out what's in it nobody was going to question her on it nobody was going to call her a buffoon for saying it so she's at least got cover by the media but she said those words she was questioned about the wall And a reporter said to her, you signed a piece of legislation that gave $12 billion for border security that included funding for the fence. And her response was, well, now you're talking about a fence and not a wall. She said it. The semantics game that she's going to try to sell is hysterically funny. But Nancy Pelosi had to kind of cater to this incoming group, this progressive caucus, which is adding in great numbers. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a self-affirmed socialist. She said, call me whatever you want, socialist, but they are uh, they are they are trying to get single payer health care. They they want a socialist system where the the rich are taxed at a much higher percentage than they were before. It doesn't matter what the results of our economy have been. It doesn't matter that the working class is benefiting more than anybody else by these tax cuts. Even the corporate tax cuts in the form of raises, benefit packages and bonuses. None of that matters. Three per three point seven percent unemployment, the lowest that we've seen in 50 years. That doesn't matter either. The ideological argument. Of punish the rich, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat, that us against them class warfare fight that they're waging is all that matters to them. The results of what they want don't matter unless they're the one solving the problem their way. If they're saying our goal is to make life better for the working poor in America and what President Trump has done with the Republicans in tax cuts shows a great improvement in the consumer confidence of the working poor in America, which it has. They're seeing the biggest benefit from the tax cuts, both individually because of the doubling of the standard deduction and the pay raises they've received. The one thing that's happening that's bad is inflation. 
which getting that under control and making sure there's not great inflation where your dollar doesn't get you as much is important. But their lives, the lives of the working class in America, especially the working poor, has benefited the most. The highest level of consumer confidence in any demographic are the working poor in America, are the working class family in America. They're keeping more of their own money. They're getting more back in their tax returns. They're getting raises and bonuses, and they're finding it easier to find jobs in every demographic. So if their goal was just that, just the improvement of the lives of the working class, they would be applauding what's happening right now. But it's being done with less government, not more. It's being done with less, less in taxes to the rich, not more. And that is that goes against what they stand for. This incoming freshman class, smart. I'm going to give them a lot of credit for being smart. They're wrong about what they want to do. But they are going to do what they need to by sticking together to find a common goal. It's the difference between a team player and an individual. And they are doing, they realize they've got strength as a team. As scary as it might be to some people, they have strength as a team. Want to talk more about that strength. I want to talk more about this because this is really the next couple of years. Are we going to see this government shutdown last into the State of the Union address where the president can bring his case to the American people? What does the government shutdown mean? Who ultimately gets blamed? Who's running in fear and who's standing up boldly because of their vote? All of this is an important discussion because the next couple of years are going to shape the 2020 election. That 2020 election is going to shape a long period of time in America. So all that coming up here in just a few moments once again my name is mike broomhead i'm from phoenix arizona filling in right here on the glenn beck program hey once again happy new year from the glenn beck program my name is mike broomhead i'm in for glenn today and uh, monday appreciate you joining us the political struggle is like anything else And we know that the ebb and flow in politics is viewed by the extremes, or we at least see the extremes. And in a primary, that's what matters. When you look at the numbers, let me explain something I think is going to happen in the future. And people have been emailing me and asking me about this. I am in Phoenix, Arizona. I do my show there um, morning drive, Monday through Friday. And we had an election that was watched nationally, and it was between uh, Martha McSally and Kirsten Cinema. And Kirsten Cinema, the Democrat, won the race. And many people wondered, what does that mean? It's, it hasn't been since Dennis DeConcini. And I've been in Arizona, will be 24 years in February. And my entire time there, the senators have both been Republican. It was John McCain until he passed away. It was John Kyle until he left the Senate and then replaced John McCain after his passing. And then after that, it was uh, Jeff Flake who vacated the seat and was that seat was won by Kirsten Sinema, a Democrat. And so many people are saying, now look at the shift that Arizona's turning blue or purple or whatever. And I don't believe that that's true. Here's what happened in that race, in my opinion. Um, Kirsten Sinema is a very liberal Democrat. I know Kirsten Sinema. I've been friendly with her, worked on some veterans things with her in the past. Um, she was a member of the House. But when she was in the Arizona state legislature, she was a communist. I mean, she would say to people she was a communist, but you can't get elected, even in the Democratic Party, by calling yourself a communist. All of the things that you had heard about her were absolutely true. The way she protested, the way she demonized the military, um, some she invited witches to a protest. She had a coven of witches come to a protest. All of that was 100 percent true. 
But Kirsten Cinema and the Democratic Party in Arizona is still in the minority. The biggest demographic of voters is the Republican Party in Arizona. Secondly is independent voters. And third is the Democratic Party. So Democrats have to be team players. So in the governor's race, one person runs normally. Didn't happen this time around. A guy named David Garcia ran. David Garcia had to sprint left to win his primary. Abolish ICE, don't build a wall, all these very far left things. He got beat by the incumbent governor. He would have got, in my opinion, Governor Ducey is an excellent governor in the state of Arizona and would have won anyway. The economy's going very well. Things were going well in Arizona. I think he would have won anyway. He won by double digits, 15, 18 points. Because in the primary, David Garcia had to show his liberal colors to win the primary. Kirsten Cinema had no opposition in a primary. So while Martha McSally was was battling Joe Arpaio, uh, quite honestly, the most famous sheriff in America, and and a woman named Kelly Ward who had been the race the longest, it was a battle. And during the primary process, while three Republicans were beating the hell out of each other. Kirsten Cinema was running ads across the state of Arizona, making a statewide name ID for herself, calling herself in, I'm independent, just like Arizona. No one really cares about party. No one really is concerned about political parties anymore. She said, I'm a Democrat. I wouldn't call myself a proud Democrat. I don't think anybody cares about party anymore. So she billed herself to be this very moderate. She dressed like a librarian. She was very demure. It was a great strategy, and she never wavered from it, no matter how much of her past was brought up she wouldn't address it she stuck to the mantra of being independent and moderate and it got her elected because there was no way she didn't have to show her liberal colors to win in a primary i mentioned this election in arizona because i believe the strategy will be copied across the country beto o'rourke gave ted cruz everything he wanted in that fight and didn't waver from being far left had beto o'rourke moderated his tone a little bit it may have been a different outcome You are going to see them vote one way and speak a different way. They won't put Democrat in Republican states. If you're in a Republican state, they are not going to put Democrats on their sign. It will be with a small d. They'll downplay liberalism. They'll downplay their party. They'll call themselves independent. They will say that they are they will cross party lines. Kirsten Sinema promised that she would not vote for Chuck Schumer and leadership that new blood and new leadership needed to come in. Three days after the election, she was in D.C. laughing it up with Chuck Schumer and supported him. And then she said it's because nobody opposed him. I think this strategy will be played across the country. No opposition. No need to sprint to the left. No need to show those colors. Call yourself independent and moderate. It's a very interesting ploy. I think it's going to be modeled other places. Coming up, we'll talk about Michael Cohen. Was he in Prague meeting with the Russians? That's a big story that's out. He denies it, but it's a big story about the Mueller investigation. All of that happens in the next hour. I'm Mike Broomhead. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Stick around. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Cell Signal puts Michael Cohen in Prague, maybe meeting with Russians. He denies the whole thing. What does all of this mean? We also talk about Hispanic voters still supporting Trump, much to the dismay of the media. All of that coming up this morning in this hour. Also, we'll talk about the cop shooting in California. My name is Mike Broomhead. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. 
This is the Glenn Beck Program. Tis the season for more. More shopping online, more booking travel, more using websites to find the perfect gift. And all of that activity is happening on your device. Sometimes sketchy websites that you don't think are sketchy. Using your phone or your tablet could expose more of your personal information. And if that exposed information ends up in the hands of cyber criminals, you could have a bigger problem than an online store running out of the gift that you promised your oldest. So here's the thing. LifeLock with Norton Security now helps keep your holidays happy. LifeLock helps helps the threats to your identity, like somebody opening an account in your name. And Norton Security protects your devices against the cyber threats like malware. Now, nobody can prevent all identity theft or cyber crimes or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But if you have LifeLock with Norton Security, you have comprehensive protection for your identity and your devices. Head to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK and use the promo code BECK for an extra 15% off your first year. That's promo code BECK, an extra 15% off now at LifeLock.com. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Broomhead in for Glenn. I appreciate you spending some time with us today. Michael Cohen's cell phone, a cell phone traced to Michael Cohen, and they make sure they put at the very beginning of the story, the uh, uh, phone traced to President Donald Trump's former lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen, briefly sent signals ricocheting off cell towers in the Prague area in the summer of 2016, giving credibility to the story that Michael Cohen somehow was meeting late in 2016 with the Russians, talking about colluding with them and trying to win the election for Donald Trump. Michael Cohen says not true, says it never happened, and that um, Mueller knows everything. So Cohen tweeted a denial hours after the story was published, saying that I hear Prague in the Czech Republic is beautiful in the summertime. I wouldn't know. I have never been. Mueller knows everything. Cohen cooperated with Mueller in the investigation. He pleaded guilty on August 21st to bank fraud, tax fraud, campaign finance law violations. He later pleaded guilty to one count of lying to Congress, was sentenced in early December to three years in prison. Now, everyone has said from day one that everything that happened was going to be the demise of this presidency. I will tell you where I've stood on this all along. I will admit when somebody on my side of the aisle or so, I don't I don't like talking about the things that I don't like talking about. I would much rather laugh about some of the insanity and the idiocy that happens on the left. It isn't so funny when it happens on my side of the aisle, but I would much rather be intellectually honest and call it out when I see it and be disappointed. It's not fun to talk about. I'm taking heat from my friends. I'm a a sports fan and I have a lot of friends that are just driving me wild this morning because, um, well, let's be honest, my Miami Hurricanes didn't show up last night against Wisconsin. They got beat 35 to three. So you have to take the good with the bad. I didn't enjoy the game and I certainly didn't enjoy responding to those messages by my friends. But if I'm going to celebrate when I'm victorious, I've got to take the lumps when I lose. If anyone associated with a Trump campaign broke the law, they should pay for it. If they broke finance laws, they should pay for those finance laws. If they colluded with the Russians, the American people have a right to know. No problem with any of that. My problem is with the hypocrisy from the other side. That bothers me. I'll call that out every day. You know, I'm not condoning anything that we know about the extracurricular activities of this president that were happened 12 years ago, whether it's a porn star or a Playboy model or otherwise. I get all of that. But 
who was shocked by a billionaire that paid a hundred and something thousand dollars plus to somebody to keep their mouth shut? Nobody was surprised for, by it. It happened years ago. If this president were doing this kind of a thing in the White House now, I'd be calling for his resignation just like everyone else. That's why the difference between the way they're handling this with this president and the way they handled it with Bill Clinton are two vastly different things. Isn't it odd that NBC had four different stories in the can about Juanita Broderick? Four different stories already to air. And they never aired them during that time. You know why? You know what their reasoning was? The reasoning was they didn't want to damage the reputation of the office of the presidency worldwide. That even though they didn't condone what was happening, they didn't want to damage the office of the presidency. And if you remember, this was the day in that era, none of the local or none of the national news organizations wanted to run with the story about Monica Lewinsky. Do you remember who broke that story? It was Drudge. And once that story was broken by Matt Drudge and the Drudge Report, then the other stories came out immediately. They already had them written. They just didn't want to be first. So now what happened happened 10 or 12 years ago, and this disqualifies this man from being president. I'm pointing this out because it shows you what levels they go to. There were people, prominent elected Democrats and otherwise, saying this what happened with Bill Clinton in the White House with an intern had nothing to do with his ability to do the job as president. It was between him and his wife, and they should stop and leave it alone. Now, all these years later, the president they don't like did something 12 years before he was president. That was grounds for disqualification for the office. That's politics. But during this Mueller investigation, look at the look at the idiocy of how this investigation has gone. Now, I don't know Robert Mueller. I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. I just know that this has been a flawed investigation from day one. Look at who's been gone in this administration. The FBI director fired. Well, they say, well, that was, you know, that was uh, obstruction of justice. Trump shouldn't have fired him. How about the second in charge at the FBI, Andrew McCabe? Why was McCabe fired? McCabe was fired because he used subordinates to leak information to the media to create evidence, to create evidence to use in a FISA court. His actions were deemed so egregious by an internal investigation within the FBI that they fired him a couple of months before he was set to retire. He wasn't even working anymore. He was using sick and leave time biding his time until he reached the age for early retirement and he was going away anyway. They could have just let him go away. His behavior was so egregious that they wanted him fired. And they fired him. Their chief investigator in the Hillary Clinton emails, Peter Stroke, fired for his behavior with his girlfriend and the way he was acting with his messages and saying he was going to take Trump down and make sure he never became president. So you've got three of the highest ranking officials within the FBI. By the way, maybe someone can look into this. I know this for a fact. We'll see if a legitimate, and when I say legitimate, I'm not a news agency. Let's see if a news agency can do some digging. Peter Stroke, earlier in his career, had committed some violations so egregious within the FBI 
that he was recommended for termination. Why has that never been brought up and why has nobody ever asked the question, how does a guy that earlier in his career was was recommended for termination ascend to one of the highest anti-intelligence or counterintelligence position in the FBI? How does he get to that degree and how does he become the chief investigator of anything if his career had been so tainted that he was recommended for termination? Someone just take a look. You could do some Freedom of Information Act work on that, couldn't you? And if I'm a liar, then call me a liar. But this investigation stinks from the beginning. Peter Stroke moves over to the Mueller investigation and then is fired when the tweets start coming out and the text messages with his girlfriend, I mean. So did they ever go back and relook at the evidence that he looked at? No one's going to believe this. If Mueller comes out and says, we know we got Michael Cohen doing this. We had Michael Flynn doing that. We had Paul Manafort doing this. But we have really nothing that connects the president directly to any of this. It doesn't appear that the president colluded with anyone or had any knowledge of any collusion with anyone. No one on the left is going to believe that. And certainly no one on the right is going to believe anything out of this report as tainted as this investigation has been. Take what Andrew McCabe did and you tell me how any of this survives anywhere else. Andrew McCabe leaked information to the media through subordinates. The subordinates gave this to the media. The media then wrote news stories saying, we have informants telling us that these are the rules and the laws that were broken. Andrew McCabe then took those news stories and put them in the pile of evidence to take to a judge and said, even the media is reporting on independent sources. He created the evidence. How many of you are aware that his counterpart over at the Department of Justice, wife, worked for Fusion GPS? Fusion GPS are the ones that hired Christopher Steele to write the dossier. What was her job with Fusion GPS? She was the Russia expert and helped with the dossier. The FBI fired Steele as an informant for inappropriate contact with the media. They fired him as an informant. The FBI has three classifications for an informant. Reliable, unreliable, or unknown reliability. Steele was of unknown reliability. And they took that dossier, never verified any of it, and took it to the court as evidence. Does anybody realize how horrible that is? If I say my neighbor next door is running a prostitution ring out of his house, so the police kick down his door and take him to jail, and the evidence they give the judge is the guy next door said he did it. It never sees the light of day. Why? It was never investigated by the police. The FBI never verified any of this. The FBI, and I know some people that are spent over 30 years with the FBI. It's a close fraternity. They keep an eye on the new, the existing FBI. Their character has been damaged and it should not have been. This case should have never been investigated from headquarters. It should have been out of a field office. 
Michael Cohen's cell phone and what this really means and more about this investigation and how dirty the whole thing has been from the beginning. And it's why nobody's going to believe any of it. We'll do that here in just a couple of moments. My name's Mike Broomhead, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Falling into debt can happen to the best of us, especially if you're supporting a growing family. But just because you're in debt now doesn't mean that you can't manage your debt smarter. If you feel like you're getting further behind, American Financing can help by consolidating your high-interest debt into one manageable monthly payment. Refinancing your home loan could also allow you to start saving up to $1,000 or more every single month. Now think about what you could do with the money, retirement, college funds, or paying off that high-interest debt. With the Federal Reserve keeping interest rates at historic lows they only have one way to go and that is up and you don't want to miss this opportunity american financing their mortgage consultants are salary based unlike others there's no upfront fees don't wait call 800-906-2440 that's 800-906-2440 or online at americanfinancing.net american financing america's home for home loans american financing corporation nmls 182334 www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org hey thanks for joining me i'm mike broomhead on the glenn beck program talking about michael cohen's cell phone which he denies ever being in Prague. said he never went there says Mueller knows everything this investigation has been mishandled from the beginning, maybe not by Robert Mueller, but it may have just been it's so tainted to begin with. Um, the evidence to begin with, with the structure of of how the dossier was used to get a FISA order, a surveillance order on an American citizen named Carter Page. When you look at the incestuous relationship between the high ranking members of the FBI, the DOJ, the wife of the DOJ agent or DOJ um, uh in charge the doj lawyer in charge of all of this it it is it stinks it always has i did a storyboard on facebook about it because it's so hard with the names and the pieces but in order to get a fisa order the reason why the vast majority of fisa orders are approved by the courts is because they're so difficult to get and you have to go jump through so many hoops to even get it on a judge's desk So from the beginning, at a local, let's say at a local field office, a field office for the FBI, an agent wants to obtain and believes they have reason to obtain a FISA order. They have got to go through all of, jump through all of the hoops within their command inside the field office. It then goes to their attorneys at the field office. It gets stamped with approval there. It then goes from the field office there up to headquarters nationally for them to put their stamp of approval on it. And then it goes through the same process through the Department of Justice, where the Department of Justice locally and all the national level has to sign off that there are grounds here for this to happen. Once all the I's have been dotted and all the T's have been crossed, it then goes in front of a secret judge. And for approval for surveillance, every 30, 60, 90 days, you've got to go back and show the fruits of your investigation to show that there's reason to continue with the FISA order. Well, when you've got the deputy director of the FBI and the ranking member of the Department of Justice working on this together, they're supposed to be the checks and balances from their underlings and making sure that everything is legit before it goes to a judge's desk. So by the time they present it to a judge, the judge relies on that evidence as being true because they swear that it's true. 
James Comey even admitted they didn't vet big pieces of that and big pieces of the dossier still haven't been vetted. The evidence used as far as media reports from independent sources were made up by Andrew McCabe, which is why he was fired. You've got the wife of the DOJ lawyer working on writing the dossier. If you don't see the incestuous relationship there and why if this were any other normal American citizen, it never sees the light of day. Most people believe, including myself, that O.J. Simpson was guilty. But when you watch that trial, his lawyers were able to create reasonable doubt in the handling of evidence that because that the the blood evidence and some of the some of that the evidence would have been tainted or could have been tainted. If because Mark Furman was shown to be, whether he was or he wasn't, he was shown to be a racist. He was the only cop that jumped the fence and found the glove. It was possible he planted it there. There was enough of a doubt in the way that the evidence was handled that the jury had no choice but to find him not guilty. Well, when you've got an order like this, when you've got a dossier written the way this was written, by the way, paid for as opposition research, not as a police investigation into evidence against a crime, but opposition research by the Democratic Party and Hillary Clinton, there should be suspicion there from the very beginning. If a couple is going through a horrible divorce and one of the mem- one of the divorcing couple accuses the other of child abuse, the officers involved in the investigation are immediately suspicious. That doesn't mean it didn't happen, but there is obviously an ulterior motive possible with a custody hearing going on. Well, if you've got a dossier that's been written and paid for by the Clinton campaign and the Democratic Party during a presidential race, those investigators should have been ultimately suspicious of anything written in that dossier and should have vetted every piece of that evidence before they presented any of it to a judge. And they never did. They never did. Does that mean that Donald Trump or anybody in his campaign is not guilty? It does not mean that at all. And if you believe that Donald Trump is guilty of something, you should be furious at the investigators that mishandled all of this. Just like I'm sure Nicole Brown Simpson's family is furious at the way the evidence was handled against OJ. It doesn't change their belief in his guilt, but it, it certainly changes the way people believe about it or what people believe about it. And I will say this. James Comey was not an FBI agent, nor was he an investigator. He's a politician. That investigation should never be held out of headquarters. It should have been held at a field office. The politicians run blocker so investigators can investigate. I don't care where you live. If the state police were investigating the governor's office in your state, and instead of it being handed down to the detectives at some field office in the state, it's handled by the director of the highway patrol and the management staff. You're going to be suspicious because they're not supposed to be investigating anything. This is just how it is. You can believe the president or his people are guilty of something. It changes nothing about the mishandling of this investigation. 
nothing about the mishandling of this investigation. Michael Cohen says he's never been to Prague, that Robert Mueller knows everything. The story still says he was there. Do you think when it's proven that nothing happened or do you think if this proves to be nothing that they're ever going to retract it with the same bold headlines that they printed it in the first place? It's not going to happen. Coming up in just a few moments, the Wall Street Journal shreds the media for their covering of the president. They said it undermines the credibility of the press. We will give you some examples of exactly what they're talking about. Some of the headlines are alarming. All of that coming up. We also will talk about the number of Hispanic voters that still support the president, much to the dismay of the media. Still a lot coming up on the show. Twitter, at Broomhead Show. Instagram, Mike Broomhead. My name is Mike Broomhead. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Stick around. You're listening to Glenn Beck. I really love my office chair. It's not a no-name superstore piece of junk. I'm talking about the new X-Chair office chair. It's modern. It's stylish. It's really luxurious. It is the most comfortable chair that you can sit in. It's an X chair. You'll have more energy. You'll concentrate better. You'll be more productive. Sitting in it is believing. And now X chair is introducing a new model available for a limited time only to my listeners. It's the X basic. It's got the great comfort, support, style that you expect from an X chair at a great price that makes it really affordable for just about anybody. All X chairs are on sale now for a hundred dollars off go to xchairbeck.com that's the letter xchairbeck.com or call 844-4x-chair check out the new x basic no questions asked guaranteed complete satisfaction for 30 days use the promo code beck 844-4x-chair or xchairbeck.com hey need some holiday gift ideas check out our store shirts hats mugs my pillow with my big fat colonel sanders face on it shop.theblaze.com hey thank you for being here i'm mike Brumet and for glenn happy new year hard to believe we're approaching the new year but it, i hope you've got great plans this weekend um wall street journal shreds the washington post and the trump coverage they talk about just not about how they have just gone insane and in the tank and it ruins it undermines the credibility of the press. Fascinating. This is starting to happen. My biggest mantra for at least the last six months plus on my local show has been about the lack of accountability in the traditional media. I am a lot more fair in giving both sides of the story than anyone in journalism seems to be these days. They have lost their collective minds. They have the emotional maturity of a 14-year-old when it comes to this president. And it shows from, from what used to be very credible sources. Anderson Cooper never was, you know, and he, even he has gone totally in the tank in the other direction. With the enthusiasm that they wanted to report, NBC News wanted to report the president never visited the troops at Christmas and a few hours later had to say that they did. Soledad O'Brien criticizes the president for not going. Britt Hume tweets out, look how wrong you are. She responds, it looks like 
shaming him worked. And Bertram says, yeah, he read it, then time traveled back in time to show up in Iraq. It doesn't matter what happens, they're going to demonize. It's going to, in my opinion, I think, in my opinion, they will eventually be an aide to the president doing this because he becomes a sympathetic figure. I became a defender because of what the media did to him. I am not by any stretch of the imagination a blind follower of anyone. Certainly not Donald Trump. I buck a lot of trends. I have my personal feelings that I will defend very um, aggressively. I mentioned yesterday, and I got a lot of heat from it in emails from people about my love for and my affection for and my friendship with the late Senator John McCain. John McCain was very good to me. As a human being, was very good to me. And what I loved about John McCain was I disagreed with him about a lot of things that you disagreed with him about. He treated me like a peer, which I was not. And I, when, when John McCain passed away, it struck me very personally because he was a friend. So I will take all the backlash from people and all of the emails from people that hammer me. 99% of the time, if you listen to this show, I am going to adhere to the same at least principle that you do. And we are going to agree on many things. Maybe you don't agree with me about John McCain. That's okay for me. Maybe it's not okay for you. It's okay for me. I mentioned in the last few days being in here, it's an honor to be here, not because it's a national show, but because I consider um, Glenn to be the older brother I never had. He has been more kind to me, and it has nothing to do with the radio career. If I was never allowed to fill back in on this show, my love for Glenn Beck is because of the human being that Glenn Beck is. No one I know has ever stuck to principles like Glenn. It's funny, one of the topics we're talking about this morning and have been talking about for weeks now and months is about the treatment of unaccompanied minors at the border. Does anybody remember who the first person that paid any attention to that was? It was Glenn Beck. And this was back when he was getting bashed for going there on a humanitarian mission and bringing food and supplies to these kids that were here illegally. And it was Glenn that stood up and said, these are human beings. This has nothing to do with politics. This is about feeding the hungry. It's about doing what we're supposed to do as human beings. And there's nothing worse than when you face criticism from your people, from the people that are largely in your camp. And he heard a lot of it. But it's that adherence to principle. It's not about being a blind follower of Donald Trump. When If Donald Trump did the wrong thing, if his camp did the wrong thing and colluded with the Russians, the American people have a right to know. My problem with it is the vitriol, it's this story, these stories about the media and how they are so vitriolic that their seething hatred is just about reversing the decision in this past election. They beat the heir apparent. Donald Trump beat the heir apparent. That's why they hate him. She was next. It was hers. It wasn't supposed to be an election. It was a coronation. So what was a household name, not in politics, 
Nobody hated Donald Trump. Nobody screamed. How did that guy have all of the hit television shows, beauty pageants? How was he such an immensely popular figure on national television if he was deemed a homophobe and a racist? He wasn't. He became a Republican president that beat Hillary Clinton. Now he's a homophobe and a racist. Evil. So the Wall Street Journal takes the Washington Post to to task. But let's go a little further. Headline today, if you go look at the top story segment on some websites, CNN, you look at their top stories. One of them is this. Trump's year of chaos in 2018 promises yet another. It's an opinion piece. It's an editorial listed in their top stories. CNN slammed for trashing Trump's visit to the troops, criticizing soldiers for bringing MAGA hats. By the way, the Air Force threw, as the headline reads, threw cold water on that. The Air Force said there's absolutely nothing wrong with troops taking anything to get autographed by the president. Do you remember when uh, President Obama made a trip um, to Kuwait back in 08 before he was president? He went to Kuwait, signed autographs. But when Trump's in power, when Trump is the president, all of these things all of a sudden become illegal. So anybody associated with this president. I think what happened to Brett Kavanaugh was p- quite possibly one of the most uh, despicable and disgusting things I have ever seen. I couldn't have held up to the scrutiny. I've never assaulted. I've never sexually assaulted someone. I can say that pretty confidently. If I had been accused like Brett Kavanaugh and they started going back in my life to when I was 17 years old and looking in my high school yearbooks at things I had written in high school yearbooks or things I had said with my friends or parties that I had gone to when I was in high school or talked to ex-girlfriends of mine ages 18 on in my life, some of my exes, you're going to get a whole different picture of my past than you are of Brett Kavanaugh's. I couldn't live up to the scrutiny. I couldn't have I couldn't have undergone the scrutiny he did. And yet they didn't care if he was destroyed. Why? He was a Trump nominee. This was a guy that was so well respected on what was called the second highest court in the land, the DC circuit. And all of a sudden not only was he unqualified, he was a predator. A predator. It was a horrible thing to do to a human being for your political agenda. And no one's going to be held accountable. Dianne Feinstein won't be held politically accountable for the destruction she did to that. And she did it. They could have done all of that behind closed doors. She made it public because of the spectacle and the Hail Mary pass that they had to throw to try to stop him from being put on the court. Kamala Harris, the way she interrogated him, Cory Booker, the way they did all of this, they should have been held politically accountable. And they never will be. Never. If you're associated with this president, you're demonized. I I, I blocked. I, I, this is here's here's the level of 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 uh, how horrible my life is. I had to block somebody from Facebook. I know. I know you you feel for me. You understand the devastation in my life. 
somebody I, I don't mind disagreements. If you're following me on Facebook, I love the conversation. When you come onto a Facebook page and you demonize me or anybody on the political right, you call us names, you say that we're stupid and you say that we're racist and you call us Nazis, you're gone. I'm done with you. But just because I defend this president, I'm a Nazi, I am a racist, I'm stupid, I'm all of those things. So the Wall Street Journal is 100% right in their criticism. 100% right. There's no doubt about it. Going to talk about the the roller coaster ride that is going on right now in the stock market and what's being said about it. In the meantime, the real numbers that matter that are being largely ignored. Is it just because, again, it's the 24-hour news cycle and they need headlines? Or is this part of a bigger agenda? I'll do that here just in a couple of moments. Again, I'm Mike Broomhead, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, thanks for being here. It's the Glenn Beck Program. I'm Mike Broomhead. Going to talk about the the shooting of a police officer in California that is now, of course, has, has thrown gasoline on the fire, the illegal immigration debate, all of that coming up in the next hour. But the economy, we've watched the roller coaster ride. The largest one-day gain in the stock market's history happened a couple of days ago, was largely ignored. Now, it is a roller coaster ride. And unless, if you are somebody that is close to retirement, I would be watching it very closely. I'd be nervous too. There's a, you know, your future and how many years, what you're going to have is all on the line. I'm not close enough to retirement to worry about it. I'm watching what happens. It climbs, it falls, it climbs, it falls, it climbs back. And it's it's receded over the last couple of weeks, but it was going gangbusters. And you look at consumer confidence, it's still very high. So yesterday it dropped over 600 points and then finished up over 200. I couldn't do that for a living. I'll be honest with you. I, I could not live and breathe with what's happening right now. I, I understand why, you know, stockbrokers drink and mix it with Pepto-Bismol. You get it. I mean, it, it's stressful. <clears throat> but overall... What stories are we being told and what's the truth? Where is the picture coming from? It's back to this idea of the media selling you a narrative about chaos and the number of workers filed for jobless benefits fell slightly last week despite the decline in stock markets, according to the Department of Labor. Why did that phrase, despite the decline in stock markets, have to be added to that story? Jobless claims and a drop in the stock market in the same week are never going to have anything to do with each other. If there was a steep decline in the stock market and layoffs were going to happen, it would be weeks down the road, not the same week. I mean, even I know that. But they're not going to tell you good news. Unless they mix it in with bad. The number of workers who filed for jobless benefits fell slightly despite the stock market. Initial claims of the week ending December 22nd was 216,000. That figure was down by 1,000 from the prior week. The previous week's level was revised up by 3,000 from 214 to 217. 
The four-week moving average was 218, a decrease of 4750 from the previous week's average. The number of continuing unemployment benefits claims fell by 4,000 in the week that ended December 15th to 1.7 million from the previous week's level, the data showed. There's a one-week lag in reporting these claims. So if there is a one-week lag in the reporting of these claims, what would this week's numbers have to do with this week's stock market? It wouldn't. The drop in financial markets and the Federal Reserve's recent interest rate increase has some analysts concerned that the economy's growth could be halted. So the U.S. chief U.S. economist said, I think people need to take a deep breath. The economy is going to slow down over the next year, but collapse, no way. So the growth is going to slow down is what they're predicting. I don't see that happening. Neither does the president and neither do the people that I see working. What's interesting is we're watching in where I live in Arizona, a need for manpower. The biggest issue facing companies is manpower. That's a good problem to have. This is where if you're an employee, it is now a seller's market. Your trade is now more valuable because there's less of you to go around. I grew up as an hourly employee. I was an electrician all of my life until I became a contractor and owned my own business. I had employees during the construction boom who were making $13, $14, $15 an hour that were making $17, $18, $19 an hour. It was easier to hold on to people when the construction uh, crashed, but now when it's booming again, it's difficult to find employees. One of the reasons why we should be getting this immigration thing fixed is maybe looking at a guest worker program in places where people can come easier to work and fill some of these jobs Americans aren't doing. When employers are saying the biggest obstacle they face is finding qualified people, it's a good sign for the American people. Lowest unemployment numbers in over 50 years. But they got to remind you, the stock market dropped over the last couple of weeks. It's funny how they have to do it. Coming up, we'll talk about the horrible shooting death of a police officer in California, how it's throwing gasoline on the fire of the illegal immigration argument. And what that means for all of us. All that right around the corner. Again, my name is Mike Broomhead. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Stick around. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. The murder of a police officer in California, the suspect an illegal alien, once again throwing gasoline on the illegal immigration fire in America. Hard for me to believe that there's even a discussion about the need for border security, but that seems to be where we are. Do we need border, better border security or not? And it's silly to have that conversation. That's a big part of this hour. We also talk about Hispanic voters supporting Trump. Much to the dismay of the media. All that coming up on this hour of the show. My name is Mike Broomhead, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I really love my office chair. It's not a no-name superstore piece of junk. I'm talking about the new X-Chair office chair. It's modern. It's stylish. 
It's really luxurious. It is the most comfortable chair that you can sit in. It's an X chair. You'll have more energy. You'll concentrate better. You'll be more productive. Sitting in it is believing. And now X chair is introducing a new model available for a limited time only to my listeners. It's the X Basic. It's got the great comfort, support, style that you expect from an X chair at a great price that makes it really affordable for just about anybody. All X chairs are on sale now for a hundred dollars off go to xchairbeck.com that's the letter xchairbeck.com or call 844-4x-chair check out the new x basic no questions asked guaranteed complete satisfaction for 30 days use the promo code beck 844-4x-chair or xchairbeck.com hey thank you for being here again my name is mike broomhead in for glenn today i'll be in monday as well if you're a social media user, uh, I'm getting a lot of action with people reaching out on Twitter. I am at Broomhead Show. You can find me on Facebook, the Mike Broomhead Show fan page. And if you're an Instagram user, um, I'm the king of bad pictures. Uh, I mean, blurry, not bad in that way. Bad pictures. You can find me, uh, Mike Broomhead, all one word, on Instagram. It is uh, the murder of a police officer is always something that's devastating to me. It comes. I come from a law enforcement family blessed to have a lot of friends in law enforcement a law enforcement agent in california murdered and the suspect is an illegal alien it now adds more to the fire of this discussion and i don't even know why it's a discussion the american people have a need for border security that period the death of a police officer just it rubs salt in in an already very open wound the borders in America are not secure, and the reason why they need to be from the national security level or interest of of a terrorist attack to the simple fact that we need to know who's coming and going across our borders. The demonization of people like me bothers me more than anything else. Uh, there are a lot of things that I'm going to refuse to do, and I have been refusing to do with people. I will have a discussion with anyone who disagrees with me usually before I'll have one with someone that agrees with me. I think it's more interesting to talk to someone that disagrees. But if you're going to start the conversation about the need for border security by forcing me to defend myself that I am not xenophobic or I somehow am anti-brown person, I'm not even going down that road with you. I'm not going to waste my breath in giving you all the defenses that I can about the the friends that I have and the people that I've grown up with and the people that are closest to me that are from other countries. I'm not doing it. I don't want border protection because I'm anti-anyone. Getting on airplanes has changed since 9-11. We've revamped and we've changed over time. We've changed our tactics. Why? Because the terrorists have changed theirs. They were able on 9-11 to fly airplanes into buildings with nothing more than box cutters. Why? Because our system was too easy. Harder. There's no other explanation. They were able to board airplanes and take them down. We've gone, we've added air marshals, we've secured the cockpit doors, we've armed the pilots, we've changed the way we do security at check-in. That's even morphed over time. When when we saw that terrorists were trying to put bombs in their shoes, we now take our shoes off. 
There are some places where you can't even take a laptop in the cock or in the fuselage in the passenger compartment with you. It's got to be stowed underneath. And they did this because of the change in tactics by the terrorists. It didn't say that we were an untrusting country. We were just doing what we needed to do for security. When the Syrian refugees were coming here, we have got a long history of giving people refuge in war-torn countries. But when the when they were showing that terrorists with the the you know the the ISIS members Al Qaeda whoever it was these terrorists were posing as refugees to infiltrate America when the president said we need to have a better vetting process to make sure that we are allowing in refugees only and we're not allowing terrorists in people called him a racist for it and i don't know how that is a racist statement because it just isn't a, a change in our security tactics to match and stay one step ahead of the people that wish to do us harm the border is different now than it was 10 or 20 25 years ago and now we have the death of a police officer another death of a police officer at the hands of an illegal alien It doesn't make this officer's death any less tragic. It doesn't make the loss any bigger to the family that lost him. But what it does is give you one more anecdotal piece of evidence that we have got to make sure we know who's coming and going. And we have to have the ability to keep evil people out, which we don't. They are capturing people that have already been here and committed heinous crimes, did their time in prison and deported back to their countries only to come back across our border again. And the president wanting a physical barrier where it's prudent makes sense. I come from a border state where this isn't largely is not a political issue. The issue of border security where I come from is about security. It's about the drugs that cross our border. What has the opioid epidemic done to America? How many Americans are now dying at the hands of legal and illegal opioids? The trend of the fentanyl deaths. What methamphetamines have done to this country. In the 80s, it was marijuana. And then later on in the 80s, because of the drug cartels and because of what we saw with Pablo Escobar, starting with him and then the other drug cartels, the Cali cartels and the the Cali cartel and then went on to be the other cartels moving immense amounts of cocaine into America because it was billions of dollars in that industry. And now we're seeing that it's not just cocaine, that fentanyl, you can have such a small amount of fentanyl that could kill so many people. It's packaged much smaller. It's harder to detect. Methamphetamines, easy to make, household chemicals, trucked in, very potent. It's called ice, very potent coming across the border. The need for opioids because people cannot get a, get their hands on opioid prescription drugs as easily as they used to. So they're turning to heroin and other opioids to, to satisfy an addiction that many people never believed that they would have. And we, as a country, are allowing those things to cross our border. The human trafficking element... Uh, I work fairly closely with some people in Arizona and the anti-trafficking awareness. We host, we're fortunate enough in in, uh, Glendale, Arizona, to host the Super Bowl every five or six years. And, you know, Vegas is known for its party atmosphere. And there are a lot of times when, when the human traffickers are taking people from Phoenix to Vegas for big events because that's where they're pimping out these young girls. And... 
what's horrifying about it is during such huge events like the Super Bowl, the the direction happens to come in reverse, and they're bringing human traffic. They're bringing these 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 girls, many times young girls, to be you know to service customers because that is where a big event is happening. And we are allowing things like this to happen because we won't get a handle on an easy solution to a problem, which is better security. All the evidence, I mean, all of the cute analogies we can come up with, and I do often, um, all make sense to all of us. The politics of what's happening in America, and I'm going to say again, To anyone out there in the traditional media that's listening, you have a responsibility to tell both sides of a story. The border is not fixed. You want to talk about unaccompanied minors and horrible treatment by Donald Trump and the people that work for him because you hate Donald Trump. Those people are being treated just as horribly back during the Obama administration. It's a systemic problem. Thousands of people are being turned out into the streets of cities in America. Let's say for a moment, none of those thousands of people are dangerous. They're not here to commit crimes. They're not sick and going to get us sick. These are just, let's say they are people seeking refuge. The system right now is so overwhelmed that a thousand people being turned out in the street in the past week in El Paso, Texas, with nowhere to go housed on empty buses for a while until something can be done for them by the private sector. ICE is caught between a rock and a hard place. They are legally bound to process people within 20 days and get them out. So they're giving them future hearing dates. Sometimes they're equipping them with with, uh, monitoring devices, and they're turning them loose on cities and towns all over America. But when you when you point out, well, listen, a lot of the people that are coming here are doing it under false pretenses. Over the last few days, the headlines have been about an eight year old Guatemalan boy who died in the in the custody of America. Then we found out the father refused medical treatment. Then we found out that the reason that the family brought this child to begin with is because they were told if you bring a child, it's easier to get in. Am I being completely um, heartless and politically incorrect when I ask what kind of a parent puts their child in that situation? The left will tell you it's desperation, and I will tell you no, it's not. It's encouragement saying that it's easy. How about the young men that are in the caravan at Tijuana and how frustrated they were? Of all places, it was an MSNBC person that asked a reporter that said, Most of these people in the caravan are young men. They're not talking about asylum. They're talking about a better life. A lot of those young men got frustrated and went home because they were told it's easy. You just cross the border. You seek asylum. They turn you loose on the streets and you go get a job. And they're finding out that that's not true. It's not just the death of a police officer, although as horrible a reminder as that is that the system is broken, When are we finally going to, as Americans, demand that somebody fix it? And that also means we're going to have to demand people in our own party get stronger. More about this in a few moments because the incoming class of freshmen are not only anti-wall, but abolish ICE advocates. And what does that do to complicate this problem? That's coming up here in just a couple of moments. Again, my name is Mike Broomhead, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. Today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with unexpected higher mortgage payments. At Quicken Loans, we've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates so you can buy a home with certainty. It's called Rate Shield, and here's how it works. With Rate Shield, you can lock your interest rate while you shop for a new home. So if rates go up, you don't have to worry. And here's the best part. If rates go down, you get the lower rate. With Rate Shield, we really have you covered. Here are more reasons why you'll want to work with America's largest mortgage lender. For eight years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. And for the fifth year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in the nation for mortgage servicing. Rate Shield. Another way we can save you money on your mortgage. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Based on Rocket Mortgage data in comparison to public data records, racial approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. One of the things that's confounding the media is that even though the president is talking tough about the border and the southern border, and as long as the mantra from the left is that this president is anti-Brown, there is still a large number of Hispanic voters in America that support the president, which is completely confounding the media, which shows you how out of touch many of these people are with the people that would watch their shows or read the stories they write or listen to what they have to say. This really isn't, you know, this is conservative talk radio, as it's called. But and I am as fiscally conservative as a person is. I think I'm a lot more as I get older, I'm becoming a lot more socially libertarian. Um, What I mean by that is there's a lot of things, uh, uh, principles that I adhere to personally when it comes to morality. But I really don't need to know what's in your nightstand and neither does the government. You know, so a lot of it is I may have a disagreement with you about right and wrong, but it's not my position or the government's job to to get involved in a lot of that. Um, So and, and to be quite honest with you, I'd rather I got my own backyard to clean up. You know, I've got to fix my own moral compass before I worry about yours on many levels. But I'm very fiscally conservative. This really never seemed to me to be about conservatism. There is conservatism in politics and the size of government and scope of government involvement. This never seemed to me to be an issue for that. I know immigrants. I know a lot of immigrants. So the anecdotal evidence that I have is based on life experience. You know, you, you've heard all the stories about the South. I grew up in the South. I, I'm, I'm broadcasting from my hometown. I'm in, I'm in Fort Myers, Florida. And, and, you know, the South growing up, it had all the issues that other places had. Racism was defeated for me here in the South. I watched living here in the 70s, in the late 70s, I watched the Mario boat lifts. I watched the Cubans come here. I watched how they were brought into the port of Miami and how they were put through Freedom Town and had to get their green cards and be vetted and then become citizens. There are Cuban families, one I am so very, very close to still to this day. And watch them struggle and get jobs and careers and their children and the entire family becoming citizens at their very first opportunity. This couple raised four kids, one of them born in the States, the three girls born in Cuba. They raised their family, worked very hard. Husband puts his wife through college. She becomes a school teacher. 
in the public school system. He's retired, volunteers and works for the city that he lives in. They own their home. They are the American dream. That's what the American dream is all about. You do things the right way. And you become an American. They speak Spanish in their house. They speak English in public. They hold on to their culture from Cuba. They're proud of the culture of Cuba, but they are proud Americans. They're not unique. They are the American dream. They are the story of immigration. So when the media is shocked at the number of Hispanic voters that still support the president or still support the Republican Party, it's because they're out of touch, not the Hispanic voters. You look at the cultures where you see from the country of Mexico, largely, not all, but largely Catholic voters, very pro-life. Which principle, what party is that a principle of pro-life, pro-family, hardworking? I mean, it is, it's amazing to be surprised that that many Hispanic voters, well, a lot of them that are legal immigrants understand the difficulty of being a legal immigrant, how difficult it is to do it the right way. And when you do it the right way and then you see other people do it the wrong way and then make demands, it is a legal immigrant that's more insulted because I was born here. I was born into the land of milk and honey. I'm a proud American. I was born here. I'd never had to live under an oppressive regime like the Castro regime. I didn't have to risk everything and climb and leave every belonging I had behind except the clothes on my back to jump on a fishing boat to go to another country to start over with three kids. But the people that did understand the need for the rule of law and understand the need for orderly immigration, they're not anti-immigration. They're immigrants. But they are fiercely anti-illegal immigration. So MSNBC stunned at new survey showing how many Hispanic voted for the Republicans in the midterms. A new survey appeared to stun progressive MSNBC news outlet, MSNBC news outlet, when it showed that Latinos had not dropped in support of for Republicans, despite what many saw as racially insensitive rhetoric from the president. The only people that see it as racially insensitive are the people that want to make him out to be a racist. Common sense is common sense, and it crosses racial lines. I feel bad for people that, you know, if you are, and maybe you fit into this, if you're myopic, if you only see the world through the the prism of conservative versus liberal, you're too myopic. For the same thing that a civil rights activist that only sees things in black and white or a gay activist that only sees things by sexual identity, if you see the world through only one prism, through one lens, you're selling yourself short. This is not about racism. This is not about white versus brown. This is not. This is about the rule of law and orderly immigration. This is about making sure that people that want the American dream have an opportunity to get it the right way. And you can't do it the wrong way. So the surprise by MSNBC shows you how out of touch MSNBC is. Hispanic voters in America, and I will say this to anybody out there that's listening that isn't that is an immigrant. If you are an immigrant, I believe you are going to save America. If you are a legal immigrant, you know the sacrifice it takes. You know the oppression you've left and you know what this Constitution really does for people's lives. 
I do want to ask you to speak up about the evils of illegal immigration and how amazing legal immigration is. You have to differentiate. Explain the difference and why illegal immigration bothers you. The incoming class of freshmen in the Progressive Caucus say they didn't come here to play. How does the agenda of abolishing ICE now put a new wrinkle and twist into any plan of getting real border protection and ending the government shutdown? All of that coming up in the next half hour of the show. I'm Mike Broomhead. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Stick around. You're listening to Glenn Beck. If you've ever experienced heart racing, shortness of breath, or dizziness, it's possible you could have atrial fibrillation, one of the leading causes of stroke. Find out before it's too late with CardioMobile, the FDA-cleared personal EKG device that's just $99. To order, visit Cardia.com. That's K-A-R-D-I-A dot com. CardioMobile fits in your pocket, so you can take an EKG anytime, anywhere, right when you feel a symptom. CardioMobile delivers a medical-grade EKG right to your smartphone. In just 30 seconds, you'll know if your heart rhythm is normal or if atrial fibrillation is detected. To order CardioMobile today for just $99, visit Cardia.com. That's K-A-R-D-I-A dot com. Take unlimited EKGs morning, noon, or night, so you can always know how your heart is doing. CardioMobile puts peace of mind in your pocket for only $99. Order yours today. Visit Cardia.com. That's K-A-R-D-I-A dot com. Join Blaze TV. Get, what is it, 30 shows? Use Beck Christmas for 20 bucks off for the year. It's, you can get it for less than 5 bucks a month. BlazeTV.com. Happy New Year. Thanks for being here. It's the Mike Broomhead Show. Or I'm sorry, it's the Glenn Beck Program. Mike Broomhead in for Glenn Beck. I got confused. I stole his chair for a moment. We, I appreciate you being with me. Um, before I move on to anything else, I want you to hear the way this goes. Some of the um, the people that I kind of went on a rant yesterday about Joe Scarborough and how he, he um, preaches to everybody about civility. And uh, he preaches civility and says that Trump should be more like John McCain was and more like George H.W. Bush was. That's what real leadership looked like and continued to say things like that. I want you to hear Joe Scarborough and a comment Scarborough made about the president. And of course, it has to do with immigration. Now's the time we need to take stock of everything. How are we doing personally? How are our children and how are other family members doing? Are they thriving? Do we need more help in certain areas? Are they doing great in others, but might need just a little push some other direction? How are we doing as a country? And how are our leaders doing? You know, as we approach 2019, those of us who remain eternally optimistic about this great republic of ours have reason to be concerned. Little children continue to die in the custody of the US government and remember friends that's our government that's your government and my government that's allowing little children to die while they're being incarcerated because of a policy that's supposed to discourage people from coming and thousands of of children still remain incarcerated 
And still, this holiday season, this Christmas season, they're still separated from their parents. What would Jesus do? That's, well, that's where Jesus would be. That would be the issue. If you read the New Testament, if you read the Gospels, that's exactly what Jesus would be concerned about. So go then, Joe. Take the lead. Take the lead from someone like like Glenn Beck. Take the lead from others that have actually gone and put their eyes on what's happening. Because we did it years ago. No one seemed to care years ago when the Obama administration was doing this. There's nothing, there is nothing here that's happening that wasn't happening under the Obama administration. This is, again, a misguided, I believe intentionally misguided narrative to demonize somebody and he asks the question, what would Jesus do? I mean, it's very easy for them to do these things and, and to spew out this narrative that somehow nobody on this side of the aisle cares. Let's say for a moment that the president of the United States is everything that Joe Scarborough says he is. What is Joe Scarborough saying about the character of of the men and women that work for Immigration and Customs Enforcement. What is he saying about the people charged in their care? I have ripped the Veterans Administration and the handling of what they've done to veterans over these years and watched it where it blossomed and came to, came to light where I live, in the VA hospital I've been to many, many times. I've never lost sight of the fact that there are many people within the VA that were trying to fix it, that they were the good people doing the hard work whose names were being dragged down by the bureaucrats and leadership that couldn't be moved and couldn't be pushed out. Joe Scarborough makes the comments as if it is the employees of Immigration and Customs Enforcement that went from being these caring groups of people or this caring group of people that took great care and concern for refugees when they were coming across the border. The policies of the United States and the loopholes in our law are to blame right now for this crisis, period. Blaming one president, blaming this president for a problem that is so easily denounced by anyone with an ounce of intellectual integrity and honesty. Facilities housing unaccompanied minors were built and filled during the Obama administration. Joe Scarborough knows that. So he is either intentionally lying to you or he has amnesia. No one cared during the Obama administration that children were coming across the border. And even then, even then, no one on that trip that I went with demonized our former president about it other than to say the policy needs to change. We need to stop telling families south of the border that if you come or send your children, they will be given lawyers and hearings for asylum. Asylum. 
we had to take away and should have taken away the incentive to break American law. You know, a simple shift in the law that said, if you come across our border illegally and try to seek asylum, you will be sent back across the border to seek asylum on the correct side of the border. How much would that shift in policy change at least some of what's happening at the border? For Joe Scarborough to lay out that narrative that young children continue to die in U.S. custody, you can't call him a liar. He didn't lie. That's true. That's what happened. Two children have died in U.S. custody. The first parent doesn't hold the government responsible and said so. The second parent denied medical treatment. And the second group said, we brought the children because they said it would be easier to enter if we did. When you see a 400 plus percent increase in the number of people coming across the border posing as families when they are not, Isn't that cause for a policy shift? When the lawbreakers shift tactics, law enforcement has to respond. It's in every law enforcement agency, every one of them, the overcome and adapt. When law enforcement sees an uptick in burglaries in a neighborhood, they send in what be an anti-crime or what we would call in Phoenix a net or neighborhood enforcement team into neighborhoods to try to stop those acts from happening. Prostitution, drug dealing, you go into those areas and you adapt. When you see criminals morph in the way that they commit their crimes, you find ways to catch them. And this should be no different. All of a sudden, it is this one issue of immigration that changes all the rules. Local law enforcement is not allowed to work with federal law enforcement. They are in every other aspect, but it's an act of Congress to get a local law enforcement agency to do anything about immigration laws. They work hand in hand with federal. Think about a fugitive. If you... When you get pulled over and you give a driver your driver's license to a police officer anywhere in this country, they run your driver's license through a computer, an NCIC computer. That national computer database tells them if you're wanted anywhere. Can you imagine what would happen if a local police officer pulled someone over today and it said, this guy is wanted by the U.S. Marshals? And that cop said, well, I'm not a federal law enforcement agent. Nothing I can do here. And I'm not allowed to call federal law enforcement, so I'm going to have to let this guy go. We would roll our eyes and wonder what kind of a lazy cop that is. No, well, he's wanted by the feds. Oh, I see. He's on the FBI's most wanted list. Dang the luck. I'm just a sheriff's deputy. Nothing I can do about that. Would anybody think that was the right thing to do? And yet, when it comes to federal immigration laws across this country, whether you're a sanctuary city or you're not, law enforcement's been put on notice. Immigration's a federal law enforcement issue. You can't say this. You can't ask that. You better not take someone into custody. You shouldn't do this. It's the only area where local law enforcement is not working hand-in-hand with federal law enforcement. 
It's embarrassing. Before we close out the week, I told you the young group of freshmen coming into the Progressive Caucus led by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. They say they we didn't come here to play. What does that mean for the future conversations about the building of a wall, the building of some kind of a barrier, border security, and a multitude of other things? We'll talk about that coming up in a moment. Once again, I'm Mike Broomhead, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, Happy New Year from the Glenn Beck Program. I'm Mike Broomhead. And uh, here for just a bit more, and then I'll be in again on Monday. The incoming group of uh, progressives, as they call themselves, the Progressive Caucus, is going to be the largest demographic of Democrats in the House of Representatives in January when they take over. Um, As I mentioned before, Nancy Pelosi had to cut a deal with them in order to get enough votes to be elected Speaker of the House. That mattered more than anything else. And I don't even necessarily know if I'm calling that a bad thing or not. I think the idea of not fixing illegal immigration, not addressing the issue at our border is a serious issue for our country. But Nancy Pelosi wants to be speaker again and to be speaker again. She had to make a deal and she had to make a deal with this large demographic. And in order to do that, there will be no movement on That side of the aisle when it comes to a wall, any kind of barrier. I say that because Nancy Pelosi has decided that there's a huge difference between a wall and a fence. So whether it's a wall or it's a fence or it is whatever you would like to call it, it won't happen if they have their way. Now, there is now a big monkey wrench going to be thrown in this because money for the food assistance programs federally is going to start running out. And then you will see a large demographic of of Democrat voters that will not be receiving government assistance. Now, will they all solely blame the president? I don't know. And I guess they're going to try to find that out in their party. This is about leadership in the next two years and Nancy Pelosi's desire to be speaker. Therefore, she needed their votes. Therefore, she cut a deal. This is about 2020 and not giving this president any kind of a victory leading up to 2020 or the appearance of a victory, even if the things that need to be done are the right things. The president signed on to a prison reform bill that was truly a bipartisan effort. And that is an effort to get things done. The president has said he will not sign anything that doesn't have real border security in it. The Democrats have already said they are sticking to their guns and there will not be funding that includes money for a barrier. The president has other avenues, I guess, in which he can do it. Which side is going to blink here? Well, you have got and I want I would love for the Freedom Caucus on the right side of the aisle in the House and other Republican members of the House to realize there is strength in your numbers. And this incoming group of freshmen said, we didn't come here to play. We're not here to sit down and shut up and be told, wait your turn. We were elected. We have votes. We're sticking together and we plan on making changes. They're not going to stand for tax cuts. They're not going to. It goes against everything they believe in. This is not just the we don't need a wall crowd. This is the abolish ice crowd. The American people should wake up. The political far right and the political far left 
have the voices in a primary. The huge swath of independent voters that do not adhere to one party or the other, they make decisions based on a person they think will represent them the best or on an idea they agree with, and they have no problem crossing party lines when it comes to voting, are the very people that you need to be chasing for 2020 and beyond when it, if it's strictly about elections. The issue of the need for border security is a winner with those people. Articulate it the right way and remember that there is now a unit, a a cohesive group of people that realize their strength in their numbers and they are much further left than most people in this country. Allow them to expose who they are and speak about reasonable things to the American people. Remember, the greatest example of this was Ronald Reagan. He didn't speak to political parties, which he was able to do when he spoke at the Republican convention. He addressed Republicans, but he was we are the shining city on the hill. We are the last best hope. He spoke to Americans. That's why they called him the great communicator. The Republicans need to start speaking to the Americans and say talking about the principles that they win on every time. I'll be back on New Year's Eve. I want you to have a great weekend. I hope you have a great weekend planned. I know that I do. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Broomhead Show, the Mike Broomhead Show fan page on Facebook, or all one word, Mike Broomhead on Instagram. That's how you can reach out to me. I manage my own accounts. Would love to hear from you on social media this weekend. Have a great weekend, everyone. I'm back. I'm Mike Broomhead. In for Glenn Beck. God bless. You're listening to Glenn Beck.